Thank you for downloading the sixth episode of the NPC podcast from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. This program is all about discussing and considering the purpose, process, and people of the pharma industry during the time of COVID. Today we're continuing the healthcare conversation by answering questions sent to us by listeners like you. This program is proudly presented in cooperation with Imprez. Imprez best-in-class commercial solutions drive top-line and bottom-line growth. With maximum Salesforce flexibility, speed, and efficiency. Learn more about their next-generation commercial model at www.imprez.com. On today's podcast for August 12, 2020, our guests are Mike Egley, General Manager of Aspen Pharma Canada, and Patrick Marsard, Commissioner of PAB. Once again, your host for today's podcast is Peter Brenders of Contolo Health. But first, here's Mitch Shannon of Chronicle Companies. Over to you, Mitch. Leona, thanks for your intro. The NPC podcast was created to find you some informed answers to all those questions we have about the life sciences business and what our world is going to look like after COVID. And if you have a question you'd like to ask, call our comment line anytime at 647-875-9011. Oh! 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 People with type 2 diabetes are excited about the potential of once-weekly Ozempic. For 25 years, pharma marketers in Canada have watched the U.S. experiment with direct-to-consumer advertising. DTC. That is, we've literally watched countless DTC ads on American cable TV, even as Health Canada continues to restrict pharma advertising here. So how do you explain these two solitudes when it comes to DTC? Are we Canadians missing something, or have the Americans been getting things wrong all this time? To discuss the subject, Peter Brender speaks with PAB Commissioner Patrick Massad and Aspen Pharma's Mike Egley. Let's listen. Welcome to the NBC Podcast. I'm Peter Brenders, your host. Joining me today is Mike Egley, Canadian General Manager of Aspen Pharma Canada, Inc., and Patrick Massad, Commissioner for the Pharmaceutical Advertising Advisory Board, PAB. So let's start with Patrick. Patrick, PAB is the agency the pharma industry goes to for review of its promotional product communications. In these COVID times, it would seem communications may be changing. What do you see as the big advertising or marketing changes to healthcare practitioners? Thanks for having me on, Peter. Yes, we've seen some rather substantive changes uh, due to COVID, both from a quantitative and qualitative perspective. Quantitatively, we've seen an increase of 35% relative to last year in email and internet type advertising promotional system submissions. So that's a sizable increase. That's driven some qualitative changes, as I mentioned earlier as well, in terms of more segmentation. Segmentation tends to be easier to accomplish, I guess, or more conducive in a digital forum. So that's actually led to higher submission volumes as well. So our reviewers are actually uh, very busy. At the moment, uh, we're seeing more segmentation, both from a demographic point of view and also from, from a value graphic point of view, which is interesting. We're seeing a lot of that now, more so over time. I think at the beginning, closer to April, perhaps companies were more just digitizing print pieces and sending them out by email. I think we're seeing more of that digital first kind of approach now with the whole, okay, well, if we're going to do this, how are we going to segment 
uh, what kind of variable fields are we going to apply to our pieces so that we're able to quickly segment based on A, B, or C. That's affected our volume. It's affected the amount of work we're doing, and it's affected a lot of stuff. So, Mike, as a company living with sort of these same changes, you guys must be going through them as well, thinking about a new approach to sort of marketing and advertising. So what would you add to Patrick's thoughts on some of these changes? So I'd like to ask Patrick a few questions first, if I could. Patrick, in your, in your exposure that you've had over the, the last few months, are you approving items that are going to specific individuals or are they more campaign-based approvals that you're doing? Well, it's interesting. When you think of an email, the answer is both, right? Because, I mean, in email, by definition, it appears in an individual's box. Having said that, it's appearing in several individual's boxes. So right. that is part of a campaign. So yes, of course, that is reviewable material. As opposed to a true unsolicited one-on-one correspondence of, uh, I'm Dr. So-and-so, I'm reaching out to company X's medical department to ask a very specific question. I'm going to get an answer that's very specific to that. That's an entirely different beast that's not subject to advertising regulations. But certainly an email campaign, although it's sent to individuals, would most definitely be subject to advertising regulations. And and yes, that falls under preclearance. And have you seen a shift from campaigns going from healthcare professionals to consumers? On the consumer front, I should disclose that the lion's share of what we review is healthcare professional advertising. It's actually 70% of what we review. 25% or so is patient information that's provided through healthcare professionals. A lot of people call that consumer, but that's an entirely different animal. And then there's the consumer segment, which is to the general public. It's only about 5% of what we review, but I mean, yeah, we do provide that service. Are there shifts? That's always actually been more either broadcast or digital from our mix. When we look at our submission mix, we break it down between healthcare professional, patient, and and consumer. They've always been different, which is interesting. You tend to have more of that one-on-one face-to-face feel with the healthcare professional. And as you get closer to the consumer kind of part of that spectrum, it's much more digital. So has that changed as a result of this? No. From what we've seen, no. What's really changed is, is the shift from the healthcare professional perspective because there was less of it there. I mean, we're going from, say, 35% from an absolute basis to close to 40% for internet or for direct mail, which is mostly emails in the HCP context. That's a rather substantial shift for them, whereas in the other uh, areas, there, there hasn't been all that much change. I should get you to write my, my marketing plan. So Peter asked the question, and I'm, I'm sort of just struggling with a few things. One is, in the last eight years of my life in commercial, everybody talks about the patient. You know, the patient, the patient journey, the patient is the center. I even had one manager said I should have an empty boardroom seat in my management team meetings for the patient. So I'm struggling with, okay, in this COVID-19 era, the patient is even more vitally important. I'm not affiliated with a strong U.S. company, so I look to the U.S. and I watch the U.S. evening news every night because I'm, I'm interested in watching it, and the commercials are all pharma commercials, and they're all biologics and other uh, specialty drugs from big companies, AbbVie, Merck, Takeda, you know, the list goes on, and they've been doing this for years, and They're pretty sophisticated companies, so I'm sure they have an ROI on it. 
I'm sure they've done the research to see how it works, the best way to do it. I'm sure they've done research to find out if it upsets the doctors, you know, to do this. I'm sure they have all that data. I'm I'm not privy to it because I'm not connected to it. But then I ask myself, if they're doing this in the U.S., and maybe because their prices are so high, their margins are so good, they can afford it. In Canada, our prices are lower. We also have other things that we pay for that other countries don't pay for. So patient support programs, et cetera, all come out of the industry. So our margins are squeezed a little bit there. So I don't know if the economics is there, but I wonder how COVID-19, if it's not an impetus to understand how Canada and how companies should be looking at how they can connect with the patient in a more robust fashion, educationally, commercially. I mean, you could argue that, yeah, these commercials in the U.S. are are pure advertising, but they're doing it. Is that bad? Is that wrong? We can advertise like any other industry, maybe. But in Canada, we have different restrictions on consumer advertising. I don't think Innovations Canada has, as a group, said, hey, can we, we open this up to something like the U.S. and start approaching different stakeholders to discuss it? And maybe it's because the economics don't make sense in Canada. But even that aside, that's why I asked the question about have companies tried to shift to patients? Because I think in this pandemic, patients are the ultimate stakeholder and companies are not going to be able to rely on traditional methods to get their medicines to the appropriate patient for the appropriate indication. And so that's something that I put on the table when we had a discussion about a month or so ago, just looking in that direction. You're listening to the NPC Podcast with Mike Egley, Canadian General Manager, Aspen Pharmacare Canada, Inc., and Patrick Massad, Commissioner of the Pharmaceutical Advertising Advisory Board. You raised some some really interesting points. Although the mix hasn't uh, shifted from a patient, consumer, or healthcare professional perspective, qualitatively, the information that's provided to patients has changed somewhat because of COVID in, in very interesting ways. So for example, it kind of really highlights how positive of a role industry can play with patients. For example, say I'm on a, some sort of injection. I'm no longer going to my physician. The clinic no longer sees me. How am I supposed to get this thing? So the advertising promotional systems that we review have very much changed to address and anticipate. And very early on, it's actually quite impressive how quickly people were thinking of these issues before they even became issues. And of course, Pab, we expedited those to, to, to get those out as quickly as possible. But it, it is impressive how quickly industry kind of helped patients adapt to this new reality. Although, you know, we haven't had pieces about COVID-19 specifically and only because, well, frankly, there are no products at this moment, although one's just been approved uh, for the condition. But there are a lot of pieces that speak to how this context uh, impacts you, the patient, and how you can address or mitigate the complications. Beyond that, you touched something really interesting there as well in terms of the effectiveness, I guess, of DTC and whether, you know, is it worthwhile? Is it not? Is it ethically right? Is it ethically wrong? There are very strongly opposing schools of thought on that. And of course, PAB is completely agnostic as to whether or not people promote DTC or not. What our concern is, is simply follow the law. Uh, We don't advocate for any type of advertising, nor do we advocate against. We advocate for high standards. So that's what we're focused on. In terms of 
effectiveness. I've actually seen some studies that speak to this very matter. Yes, there's been a spike in US DTC ads and the question of how effective have they been is actually quite answerable. Obviously, consumers have been consuming media to record levels. They've been consuming television. Everybody's watching the news, seeing what's going on with COVID. They're seeing these advertising. The question is, are they doing anything? I've seen several studies indicate that, for example, when they have a call to action to go visit a website, the needle hasn't really shifted. And that brings me to another point. It's not that DTC is good, bad, effective, or ineffective. I said we have no position on this. But there is an abundance of research that shows that when the healthcare professional is involved, so as opposed to the direct-to-consumer realm, when we're communicating through the healthcare professional, or that doesn't just mean verbally, but through pamphlets or through emails that are sent from healthcare professionals or on digital platforms where the healthcare professional is involved in some way, that's where you get the adherence to the message. That's where you get the impact. That's where you get the change in behavior and the recall. PAB plays a huge role there. That falls into the patient information realm. So yeah, that's exciting. There are ways to make things more effective. It's not a matter of is it right, wrong, or a matter of how do we do it in a way that's ethical, accurate, complete. So what I'm hearing here is the industry is anticipating questions to help patients find their way through information in these COVID times. To your point, Mike, uh, you yeah, talked about DTC, which we see in the U.S. Patrick talked a little bit about the for and the against that might be out there. But is that the middle ground for Canada, perhaps, in terms of that we're anticipating questions that direct-to-consumer engagement in the Canadian market might be a little bit different, but again, more direct in terms of anticipating questions? I think from my perspective, my portfolio, I don't have products that I would do it with per se. And you have to look at the economics. And when you look at the commercials in the U.S., Patrick, there is a call to action maybe, but it's quite light. But they must serve a purpose because they are spending so much money. So there's got to be some data to suggest that they are adding some sort of commercial benefit, if I could say that. You know, there's articles out in the U.S. that say, you know, that first line for the pharmaceutical companies is the DTC and the second line is the rep. So it's actually reversed over even before COVID-19. And I'm looking at Canada in the sense of there are now more restrictions in terms of how we can communicate because of COVID-19. Is this something that could be put on the agenda going forward? And it would be for companies that maybe want to explore this and say there's an opportunity in Canada to adjust or modify the guidelines and have something going that way. And then that leads me to a segue, which is Patrick, you're right. You know, a lot of people, as soon as this happened, they started digitalizing their materials, sending them back in. Now they're thinking, okay, I got to do some emailing of campaigns to see if I can get webinars going or this or that. And that's the tip of the iceberg. But in a virtual setting that we're in, and this was a company I was with in the past, they were working with us commercially to try and build a relationship with the doctor to get the doctor's personal email address. So not just the clinics, you know, like send it to a Mill Street clinic and an info at, and then, you know, the receptionist would send maybe the message off to the doctors in the clinic if there were five or 10 doctors, but to actually have the personal email of the doctor or, or his business email, but an email that goes directly to his inbox. And the idea there was, for products that were coming off patent two years in advance, you would want to sort of shift resources off those products, let's say sales reps, and start doing a digital campaign to remind the doctor of the product. And so 
this was way before COVID-19, but in this COVID-19 area, I could see that if reps want to have a dialogue with the doctors, it's going to start by trying to get that personal email address. And I'm sure if you go to any CRM system that any company has, they might have an uh, email address field, but I'm sure it's blank or it's just got the clinic email info at Mill Street Clinic or something like this. And so that's another challenge, I guess, going forward for PAB because I could see companies trying to say, hey, if you can't go see them in person, how are you developing a dialogue and a relationship with this doctor? You're listening to the NPC podcast. I'm your host, Peter Brenders. So what do you see on that, Patrick? What's the role for PAB in that new channel of engagement? It's neither a challenge nor a new role. At the end of the day, it's still a commercial electronic message. Whether or not I'm sending it to your private email or I'm sending it to your clinic email, if I'm sending Dr. Johnson and Dr. Lee and Dr. Miranda or whatever, the same email, and it's to their personal emails, guess what? It's an advertising promotional system. It's subject to the advertising regulations. So that doesn't really doesn't change anything. We're completely uninterested and oblivious to whether or not is this going to an individual or through the clinic, an electronic message that promotes the sale of a product is subject to advertising, it's subject to the PAB code. In fact, we had a complaint about that very matter last year. It was an email, it was just, it was sent to 15 doctors' personal emails, the company, and it was a rather large company. It was completely surprised that this is something that required uh, had review and that this was something that was subject to advertising standards. It, it was lacking fair balance. There, there were key distinct Food and Drug Act issues with the email. Sending a personal email to a group of individuals, I'm calling it personal. I'm, I'm using air quotation marks. This is a podcast. I just realized that. So I got I to gotta disclose that fact. That doesn't change anything. You, you always have to go back to Health Canada's policy document on the distinction between advertising and other activities. You ask yourself, is this subject? to advertising regulations. And you always have to pause and kind of think about that. What's the challenge here is people, when they perceive that they're doing something new, they've got to kind of go back to those first principles and say, even though I don't think this is subject to advertising provisions, is it? Let's actually pause and think about that for a second. What's my intention? What is it that I'm doing? Am I sending this to one individual in response to an unsolicited request? Well, yes, that would not be subject to advertising, but just about everything else unprompted emails, regardless of which email address I'm sending it to, it's subject to advertising regulations. It doesn't make it good or bad. Keep that in mind. I'm not saying don't do that. That's okay. If you've got permission to send it to somebody's email, go to it. But yeah, this is still subject to advertising regulations. And the challenge I would say is making sure people understand that. Yeah, I agree with you, Patrick. I visualize probably from a commercial standpoint, and this is just in theory, if I had all my reps being able to communicate to their doctors on their emails, part of it is probably advertising and promotion where I agree with you, they would have to use the tools that are approved in their communications. But the other part of it is just the dialogue, which isn't part of the approval. But I believe that's a direction you're going to have to try and get to. And in order to build that, you have to have value added to the doctor or to the clinic or to the patient. But that's a theme that's going to have to happen, which will be a blend between just trying to add value and ensuring that you're within the uh, scope of the practices. You raise a fantastic point there because a year ago or in the last year, uh, you'd have your typical conversation with a physician, right? And a key 
criticism that non-industry viewers of the system, you have these advertising promotional systems, these materials, they go through pre-clearance, but nobody's controlling what the rep is actually saying. But the key there is it's said and it disappears, right? So there's industry's always kind of been able to say, I don't have any evidence that this has been said. And you know what, if it has, we can certainly change training accordingly. Now, when you're talking about messages that are written, that are documented, that go back and forth, and there's a record of, I would advise industry be very cautious about how you're training reps in that engagement. Engagement is important. Dialogue is important. But you got to keep in mind now, now there's a record and it's a record on certainly your side. It's a record on the physician's side as well. And somebody now has the basis for a complaint. In the past, if somebody was to say, hey, uh, I was told X, Y, and Z, I don't think, I think that's off label or I think that's inappropriate because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, what can I do? That's one person telling me something was said. Someone else is saying something different. Now there's a record. So I would advise (laughs) you to be very cautious there. And that's part of the reason why I think we've seen a surge in email templates. So what we do is we prove the template with certain variable fields to enable that segmentation or that personalization, right? So that the rep's not freely typing whatever that they want. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some elements where you do need to have hey, uh, sorry, I missed you the other, well, you wouldn't be saying sorry, I missed you the other day because I never tried to see you the other day, but you get the point. There are some free open text elements where we could be very deliberate about make sure your rep is sticking to X, Y, and Z. Make sure they're only talking about these transactional details and not the product or the disease in these specific points or or areas. Our pre-clearance of emails has kind of elaborated given that reality, and I'd advise people to go that route as opposed to Don't worry about it. Just write your stuff to Dr. So-and-so. A, will your medical and regulatory departments be okay with that to begin with? Because you're in your legal department specifically, because you're taking on immense legal risks because there's now documented record. And B, that's technically not preclearance. That's not adherence to the Canadian system that's been put in place to help protect self-regulation. And some people view preclearance as kind of this thing I have to do sometimes. And if I've got a way to get around it, then groovy, let's do that. That's actually a protective mechanism. And it's not so much that people want to mislead, but we're here to protect you from your wishful thinking. That's the way I kind of view it. So yeah, take advantage of that mechanism. Don't try to find ways to go around it. You're just hurting yourself in the long run. Great thoughts today from Mike and Patrick. I like the point here is we got a new approach, new digital ideas, but it's all new training. You've been listening to the NPC podcast. I'm your host, Peter Brenders. Joining us today was Mike Egley, Canadian General Manager from Aspen Pharmacare Canada, Inc., and Patrick Massad, the Commissioner from the Pharmaceutical Advertising Advisory Board. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Mike and Patrick and Peter for that lively exchange. We'll keep the conversation going about DTC in the months ahead. We may have to wait to see what direct-to-consumer campaigns might look like in Canada, but there's something you can get right now that's direct. That's this podcast. Sign up today at Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you look for podcasts. Subscribe at pharmacongress.info and never miss an episode. We're just a few months away from the 14th National Pharma Congress. This year's NPC will be a series of weekly hour-long webinars featuring compelling speakers and subjects of vital interest. It all begins Wednesday, October 21st but you can sign up now at pharmacongress.info. Send us your questions and comments by email to health at chronicle.org or call our comment line, leaving your name, a callback number, and the question you'd like to ask. 
The best questions will get used in future NPC podcasts. Call 647-875-9011. Next week, a special treat. Robin Hunter, GM of Melancrot, is coming to the NPC podcast. Don't miss that one. The NPC podcast was presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next generation commercial partner. Learn more at www.imprez.com. This is Mitch Shannon of Chronicle Companies. Your producer is Jeremy Visser. The announcer is Leona Annoyed. Have a great week and stay safe. <laughs>